Good morning. Happy Resurrection Easter Day. <laughs> oh, man. So, you guys, this morning, we have a little different flavor. We did this last year, if you were here. Um, we just want to celebrate by having a story time. So, I wanted to read. We've done this now. This might be like our fourth or fifth year doing this, Caleb and I, together. Um, and we just read the story of leading up to and after the cross, just what our king did. This is the whole point. Um, I mean, we say that at Christmas, and this day we remember our king, who, what he did. This is, this is all, this is what it's all about. Um, and so we cherish God's word. It's such a gift. Uh, yeah, just in John 1, let us be lovers and doers of the word. Um, Part of worship, we can love God by reading his word out loud. And we've really found some um, really powerful moments. Uh, even in the Jewish synagogue, they would just sit and they would read to each other. They would just read the word straight to each other. And that was their worship a lot of times. Um, so I'm going to read out of this. This is one of my favorite. It's a newer translation. It's called the Passion Translation. Um, it's not actually even fully done. I don't think they've done the Old Testament. But this is just like a new flavor. If you guys, it might hit your ears different. It might cause you to think of something in a different way um, than the normal, what you're used to. So again, like Caleb reminded, um, get some communion. Sit back and relax. I'm just going to read you stories. So today we're going to read through... Um, Oh, yeah, we added this, Second Timothy. The Holy Scriptures are available and able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that each servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, that's it. Holy Spirit's our teacher, right? Um, thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the way you're a storying God. And we just love the way you've invited us to be part of your story, each of our lives that you've created. The stories that are yet to come, God, thank you so much for the way you are victorious. So yeah, if you want to, you can read along from John or just sit back and listen. Just receive from God today. I'll be starting in John 12. Six days before Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. There they had prepared supper for Jesus. Martha served and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume. It was the purest extract of nard. She anointed Jesus' feet and she wiped them dry with her long hair. And the fragrance of that costly oil filled the house. Judas the locksmith, who was Simon's son and the betrayer, spoke up and said, What a waste! We could have sold the perfume for a fortune and given that money to the poor. But in fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and he was in charge of the money case. 
He would steal money whenever he wanted from the funds that were given to support Jesus' ministry. Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone because she saved it for the time of my burial. You will always have the poor with me, with you, but you won't always have me. When the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came out to see him. They also wanted to see Lazarus, the man who had, Jesus had raised from the dead. This prompted the chief priests to seal their plans to do away with both Jesus and Lazarus, for his miracle testimony was incontrovertible and was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd that had gathered for the feast. They took palm branches and went to meet him, and everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior! Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes to us, sent from Jehovah, our God, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it to fulfill what had been prophesied. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it's your king coming to you riding on a young donkey. Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted into glory, then they understood how Jesus had fulfilled every prophecy in the scriptures that was written about him. All of the eyewitnesses of the miracles that Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of the miracle of resurrection caused crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. But the Pharisees were so disturbed by this. They said to each other, we won't be able to stop this. The whole world will run after him. Now there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshipers there at the feast. They went to Philip and they asked him, would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So Philip found Andrew and they both went to tell Jesus. He said to them, now is the time for the son of man to be glorified. And let me be clear, one single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops to the ground and dies. Because only then it sprouts and it produces a great harvest of wheat, all because the one grain died. A person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss my true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and will enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. If you truly follow me as my disciple, my father will shower his favor upon your life. And even though I am torn within, my soul is in utter turmoil. I will never ask the father to rescue me from this hour of trial. I have come to fulfill my purpose I offer myself to God. Father, bring glory to your name. Suddenly, a booming voice was heard from the sky. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again through you. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. 
Some thought it was thunder and others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus told them, this voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours to help you believe. From this moment on, everything in the world is going to change. The ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. And I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground. I will gather and draw the hearts of people to me. I will gather them to myself. He said this to indicate that he would, be di- that he would die by being lifted up onto the cross. People from the crowd spoke up and said, Die? How can the anointed one die? The word of God says the anointed one will live with us forever. You just said the son of man must be lifted up from the earth. Well, who is the son of man? Jesus replied, you will have the light shining with you for only a little while longer. While you still have me, walk in the light so that the darkness does not overtake you. When you walk in the dark, you have no idea where you're going. So believe and cling to the light while I am with you so that you can become children of light. After saying this, Jesus entered to the crowd and hid himself away from them. Even with the overwhelming evidence of all the many signs and wonders that he had performed in front of them, his critics still refused to believe. This continued to fulfill the prophecy by Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message and who has seen the unveiling of your great power? The people were not able to believe because Isaiah had also prophesied God blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts to his truth. So with their eyes and hearts closed, they cannot understand the truth, nor can they turn to me so that I would instantly cleanse and heal them. Isaiah said these things because he had seen and experienced the splendor of Jesus. He had prophesied about him. And yet, there were many Jewish leaders who believed in Jesus. But because they feared the other Pharisees, they kept it a secret. They didn't want to be ostracized by the whole assembly of Jews. They loved the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that would come from God. Jesus shouted passionately, To believe in me is to also believe in God who sent me. When you look at me, you see the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in the dark world, that all who trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. If you hear my words and refuse to follow them, I do not judge you. I have not come to judge you, but to save you. If you reject and refuse me, If you refuse to follow my words, you already have a judge. The message of truth I have given to you will rise up to judge you yourself on the day of judgment. I am not speaking as someone self-appointed. I speak by the authority of my Father himself who sent me. He instructs me on what to say, and I know that the Father's commands result in eternal life. This is why I speak the very words that I have heard him speak. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his final night on earth before leaving this world to return to his father's side. All throughout his time with the disciples, Jesus had demonstrated deep and tender love for them. He longed to show them the full measure of his love in return. 
Before their evening meal begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. He had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he rose up from the meal, took off his outer robe, took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry dry them with his towel. When Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I cannot let you wash my dirty feet. You are my Lord. Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. Peter looked at Jesus and said, you will never wash my feet, never. But Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus said, you won't be able to share life with me. So Peter said, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Please wash my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, you're already clean. You've been washed completely. You just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you. Jesus already knew which one was going to betray him. That's why he said that not all were clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe back on and returned to his seat at the table. Do you understand what I've done? Jesus said, You've called me your teacher and your Lord. You're right, for that is who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord, and I have just washed your dirty feet, you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for one another what I have just done for you. A servant is not superior to his master, In the same way, an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now, put into practice what I have done to you. You will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. Now, I don't refer to all of you when I tell you these things, for I know the ones I've chosen. They fulfill the scripture that says, The one who shared supper with me treacherously betrays me. So I tell you now, before it happens... So that when the prophecy comes to pass, you will be convinced that I am. Listen to this. Whoever receives the messenger I send receives me. The one who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Jesus began to be moved deeply in his spirit. And looking around, he said, I'm telling you, one of you is about to betray me. Looking around at each other, the disciples puzzled over which one of them could ever do such a thing. The disciple that Jesus dearly loved was at the right of him at the table and was leaning his head back on Jesus. Peter gestured to this disciple, ask Jesus who it is. The dearly loved disciple leaned back into Jesus's chest and whispered, Master, who is it? The one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl, Jesus said. He dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas Iscariot. When Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus looked directly at Judas and said, What you're planning to do, go do it now. None of those around the table even realized what was happening. Some thought Judas, their trusted treasurer, was being told to go buy all the supplies for Passover celebration or maybe to 
go give something to the poor. But Judas left quickly and went to the darkness to betray Jesus. After Judas left, Jesus said, the time now has come for the glory of God to surround the Son of Man. God will be greatly glorified through whatever happens to me. And very soon, God will unveil the glory of the Son of Man. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you. And then you will search and you will long for me. But I tell you the same thing I told the Jewish leaders. You're not yet able to come where I am. So now I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you, as you love one another, everyone else will know that you are my true followers. And Peter interrupted, but master, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow yet, but one day you will follow me there. Peter said, what do you mean I can't follow you now? I would sacrifice my life. I will die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, would you really lay your life down for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, tomorrow morning you will say three times that you don't even know me. But don't worry. Don't surrender to your fear. You've believed in God, now trust in me. My Father's house has many dwelling places, and if it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly. I now go to prepare a place for you to rest. When everything is ready, I will come back and take you back to myself so that you will be with me where I am. You already know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Master, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way there? And Jesus said, but I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and already experienced him. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father and that will be all we need. Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time. You still don't know who I am? How can you still ask me to show you the Father? Anyone who has looked at me has already seen the Father. Do you believe that the Father is living in me and I'm living in the Father? My words are not my own. They come from him. My Father lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as, as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I have done and even greater miracles than these because I will go to be with my Father. I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. That is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and will bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you like a friend, just like I have been, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they won't see him or know him. 
but you already know him intimately because he remains with you. He will live inside of you. I promise that I will never leave you. I will never abandon you as orphans and I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I will live again and you will come alive too. And when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and you are one with me for I will be living inside of you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return, and I will make my life alive within you. Then another disciple named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is it that you will only reveal your identity to us but not everyone? And Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. My father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. But those who don't love me cannot obey my words. The father did not send me to speak to them on my own revelation, but only the words of my father. I'm telling you this while I'm still with you, but when the father sends the spirit of holiness the one like me who sets you free. He will teach you everything in my name. He will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace that is given by the world, but my perfect peace. Do not yield to fear. Don't be troubled in your heart. Take courage. Remember what I told you, I must go away but I promise I will come back to you. If you love me, you will be glad for me because I get to return to my Father who is greater than I am. So when all of these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. I won't speak with you much longer for the ruler of the dark world is coming, but he has no power over me. He has nothing to use against me. I am doing exactly what the Father destined for me to do so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Now come, come with me. And this is giving us to chapter 15 through 17 where Jesus prays with his disciples and prays for them. And this is one of the most rich passages, but for time and the storyline, I'll just skip 15 through 17 definitely encourage you to read that on your own time. Um, I hate skipping it, (laughs) but I'm going to pick up back at uh, chapter 18. Now we're in the garden after they've prayed. It says, after Jesus finished praying, he left with his disciples and went across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden. Judas, the traitor, knew where the place was, for Jesus had gone there often with his disciples. The Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and temple police to go seize Jesus. Judas guided them to the garden. All of them were carrying torches and lanterns and were armed with swords and spears. Jesus, knowing fully well what was about to happen, went to them. He went to the garden entrance and met them. And stepping forward, he said, who are you looking for? Well, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Now Judas, the traitor, was among them. 
And he replied, I am he. At the moment Jesus spoke the words, I am he, the mob fell onto the ground backwards. And once again, Jesus asked them, but who are you looking for? So they stood back up and they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I told you, I'm the one you're looking for. If you want me, then let these guys go home. He said this to fulfill the prophecy he had already spoken. Father, let not one of those you have given me be lost. Suddenly, Peter took out his sword and struck the high priest's servant, slashing off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus ordered Peter, put your sword away. Do you really think I will avoid the suffering that my father has assigned to me? Then the soldiers and their captain, along with all of the officers, seized Jesus. They tied him up and they took him first to Annas. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had persuaded the Jewish leaders that it would be better off to have just one person die for the sake of all the people. Peter and one other disciple followed along behind them as they took Jesus to the courtyard of Annas' palace. Since the other disciple was already well known to the high priest, he entered in, but Peter was left standing outside by the gate. The other disciple came back outside to the servant girl who was guarding the gate and convinced her to allow Peter to come inside. And as he passed, the young servant girl guarding the gate took one look at Peter and said, Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he denied it, saying, No, I'm not. And now, because it was cold, the soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire and were standing around it to keep warm, so Peter huddled there with them around the fire. The high priest interrogated Jesus concerning his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered Annas' question by saying, I have said nothing in secret. At all times I teach openly and publicly in a synagogue and the temple courts and wherever people assemble. Why, why are you asking me for evidence to condemn me? Ask those who have heard what I've said. They can tell you. Just then, one of the guards standing near Jesus punched him in the face with his fist and said, How dare you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus replied, If my words are evil, then please prove it. But if I haven't broken any laws, why would you hit me? Then Annas sent Jesus, still tied up, across the way to the high priest Caiaphas. Meanwhile, Peter was still standing in the courtyard by the fire. One of the guards standing there said to him, Aren't you one of his disciples? I know you are. Peter took an oath. He swore and said, I'm not his disciple. But one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, looked at him and said, Wait, didn't I see you there in the garden with Jesus? Peter denied it the third time and said, No, I'm not. And at that very moment, a rooster crowed nearby. Just before dawn, they took Jesus from his trial before Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. Now the Jews refused to go into the Roman governor's residence. They wanted to avoid ceremonial defilement before eating their Passover meal. So Pilate came outside where they waited and asked them, 
tell me what exactly is the accusation that you bring against this man and what has he done? They answered, we would not be coming to hand over this criminal to you if he wasn't guilty of some wrongdoing. Pilate said, very well, then you take him yourselves and pass judgment according to your Jewish laws. The Jewish leaders complained and said, we don't have the legal authority to put him to death. You should have him crucified. This was to fulfill the words of Jesus because he had predicted the manner of death in which he would die. Upon hearing this, Pilate went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus to him. Looking him over, Pilate asked, Are you really the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you asking because you want to know? Are you asking because others said it about me? And Pilate responded, Only a Jew could even care about this. Do I look like a Jew? Your own people and your own religious leaders have handed you over. So tell me, Jesus, what have you done wrong? Jesus looked at Pilate and said, The royal power of my kingdom realm doesn't come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom authority is not from this realm. Pilate responded, Okay, so you are a king. You're right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come to this world to prove what the truth really is. Everyone who loves the truth receives my words. Pilate looked closely at Jesus and said, What is truth? As silence filled the room, Pilate went back out to where the Jewish leaders were waiting and said, He is not guilty. I can't find a single fault with him. But I know you know that we have a custom that we release one prisoner every year at Passover. Shall I release to you your king, the king of the Jews? They shouted over to him, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a known robber and a troublemaker. So Pilate ordered Jesus to be brutally beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal. The soldiers also wove thorn branches into a crown and set it on his head. They placed a purple robe over his shoulders and one by one, they came in front of him to mock him and said, Hail to the King of the Jews. One after one, one after another, they repeatedly punched him in the face. Once more, Pilate went out and said to the Jewish officials, I can bring him out once more so that you know I have found nothing wrong with him. Jesus emerged, bleeding, wearing the purple robe and the crown of thorns, and Pilate said, Look, he is your man. No sooner than did the high priests and temple guards see Jesus, they shouted in a frenzy, Crucify him. Just crucify him. Pilate replied, You take him then. You nail him to the cross yourself. I told you he's not guilty, and I find no reason to condemn him. And the Jewish leaders shouted back, But we have the law. According to our law, he must die. He claims to be the Son of God. Pilate was greatly alarmed when he heard this, that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. 
he took Jesus back inside and privately said, Where did you come from? Once again, silence filled the room and perplexed Pilate said, Are you going to play deaf? Don't you know that I have the power to grant you your freedom or nail you to that tree? Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. This is why the one who betrayed me is guilty of a much greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of this situation. He tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish authorities shouted him down. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is an enemy of the emperor. When Pilate heard this final threat, he relented, and he had Jesus, who was already torn and bleeding, brought outside. He went up to the elevated stone platform and took his seat on the judgment bench. Now it was nearing noon. It was the same day they were preparing to slay the Passover lambs. Then Pilate said to all the Jewish officials, Look, here is your king. They screamed at him, Take him away. Take him away from us and crucify him. Again, Pilate asked, Shall I nail your king to a cross? And the high priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them. The soldiers seized him and took him to be crucified. Jesus carried his own cross out of the city to the place called the Skull, which is in Aramaic, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. And he was crucified along with two others, one on each side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate had them post an additional sign over the cross, which was written in all three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Many of the people of Jerusalem read the sign, for he was crucified near the city, and the sign stated, This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. But the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, You have to change that sign. Please don't let it say King of the Jews, but have it say he claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate responded, What I have written will remain. Now when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they had divided his clothes into four shares, one for each of them. But his tunic was seamless, woven from the top to the bottom as one single garment. The soldiers said, don't tear it, let's just throw dice to see who gets it. The soldiers did all of this not knowing they even fulfilled the scripture that said, they divided my garments among them and gambled for my garment. Mary, Jesus' mother, was standing next to the cross, along with Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. And he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished. And so to further fulfill scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of sour wine was sitting nearby, and they soaked a sponge with it and put it on the stalk of a hyssop branch and raised it to his lips. When he sipped the sour wine, he said, It is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and he surrendered his spirit to God. The Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of the other victims to remain on the cross throughout the next day since it was the day of preparation for a very important Sabbath. So they asked Pilate's permission to have the victims' legs broken to hasten their death and to have their bodies taken down right away before sunset. So the soldiers broke the legs of the two men who were already nailed there. But when they came to Jesus, they realized he had already died. And so they decided not to break his legs. But one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus' side, and blood and water gushed out. I, myself, John, testified to the certainty that this took place. I'm writing the truth so that you will believe. All of these things happened to fulfill the scriptures of prophecy. Not one of his bones will be broken, and they will gaze on the one they have pierced. Very early that Sunday morning, right before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. When she arrived, she discovered that the stone that had sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to tell Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb. I don't know where he is. Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to see for themselves. And they started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He didn't enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen cloths lying there. Peter came in behind him, went right into the tomb. He noticed the linens there too, but the burial cloth that had been on Jesus' head was rolled up carefully and placed separately from the other cloths. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside, and after one look, he believed. For up until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Puzzled, Peter and the other disciple left and went to their homes. Then Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. She stooped to peer in, and inside, through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes, sitting right where Jesus' body had been laid, one at the head and one at the feet. Oh, dear woman, why are you crying? They asked. And Mary said, They have taken my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. She turned around to leave, and there was Jesus standing in front of her, but she didn't recognize him. He said to her, Precious woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And Mary answered, thinking he was just the gardener, Oh, sir, if you have taken the body somewhere, please tell me and I will go. Mary, Jesus said. Oh, she turned and said, Rabboni, which meant my teacher. Man. And Jesus cautioned her, Mary, don't hold on to me now, for I haven't yet ascended to God, my Father. 
He's not only my father and my God, but now he's your father and your God. Now go to my brothers, tell them what I've told you, that I will ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left to tell the disciples of her encounter with Jesus. I have seen the Lord, she told them. She gave them his message. And that evening, the disciples gathered together. And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked all the doors to the place where they met. Suddenly, Jesus appeared among them. Shalom, peace to you. He showed them the wounds of his hands and in his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. And Jesus repeated, Shalom, peace be with you. And he told them, just as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, now receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. One of the 12 wasn't present when Jesus appeared to him, and it was Thomas whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him later, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Unconvinced, Thomas replied, there is no way I'm going to believe this unless I see the wounds of the nails in his hands and I touch them with my fingers. I will put my hand into the wound in his side where he was pierced. Eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together. Again, all the doors were locked, and again, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then, looking right into Thomas's eyes, he said, Put your finger here in the wound of my hand. Put your hand into my side that is wounded and see for yourself. Thomas, don't live by your doubt any longer. Just believe. Then these words spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord. You are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. There are others who have never seen me with their eyes but have believed me in their hearts. They will be blessed so much more. From that time on, Jesus went on to do many, many more miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not included in this book. I have recorded all of this here so that you could fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one. He is the son of God. And through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life by the power of only his name. Amen. for your word. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for being alive. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Mm. Isn't that gorgeous? 
I just want to pray for those who are struggling, like Thomas, their unbelief. Truth, and we believe that, Father.